welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Good morning, good morning. So yes, I'm Rob. Um, I'm part of the team here at church. Let me just put on a quick timer. (laughs) So yeah, um, I'm part of the team here at church. Um, I lead a small group with Eleanor, my wife, and um, I get to speak this morning on the love that comforts us. It's week two in our Advent series, and we're going to get closer and closer to Christmas. This week, we're going to look at God's amazing love for each of us and how it's shown through the promise of Jesus. So my hope this morning is that you can find comfort in the character of Jesus. If you're new to faith or just exploring, you are so, so welcome here. And I hope that the things I say resonate with you and show you a bit about why it is that we worship God in the way that we do. And if you've been around a bit like me, um, I hope that you will be reminded of all of the love that Jesus has for you. So I want to focus this morning on Isaiah 9, specifically on verses, uh, verse 6. So I'll just read some of it now. So I'll start verse nine, um, 9, verse 2. So the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. If you have enlarged, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy, they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, for burning, will be the fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So let me just set the scene about this passage. The book of Isaiah speaks to people living in three time periods, before the Babylonian exile, during the Babylonian exile, and after the exile. Chapter nine is speaking specifically to the people of southern Israel, Judah, before the exile. Judah is coming under pressure from Israel and Syria to form a coalition against Assyria. Um, Isaiah is speaking into the situation where Judah felt powerless, and they were afraid of the rulers to their north. Their enemies gained strength and tightened their grip, and Judah didn't know if God was for or against them. Among all of the other prophecies, Isaiah includes two prophetic visions of a child who represents God's presence, embodies his characteristics, and bears the responsibilities of governing his people. In chapter 7, before Isaiah declares, for unto us a child is born, he prophesied the birth of a child whose name would signify the presence of God. The prophecy is an assurance that by the time this child is grown, Assyria and Syria will be defeated, thus encouraging Judah. So, as we read the prophecy, which is written hundreds of years before Jesus was born, we know it's about the coming Messiah, the Saviour, they were all waiting for. When I was younger, Advent felt like it took forever. I I can't imagine having to wait hundreds of years for Jesus' arrival. 
In John's Gospel, we read, this prophecy is being fulfilled. When we read, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's John 1, verse 14. The king being prophesied about is the one who will live forever. The only one who could rightfully hold God's titles was God himself. Now we have this background for the passage today, I just want to spend the rest of our time together looking at the four names given to describe Jesus here and how they can bring us comfort in a world and a time where so many things seem to be happening to rob us of our confidence and our comfort. The child in the passage is described as everlasting father, wonderful counsellor, prince of peace and mighty God. A very strange way to describe a baby. Um, so. so I want to focus now on the four names given to Jesus. But just before we start, turn to your neighbour for about 20 seconds. And just if you... Names are very important. Okay, lots of names have meaning. I know my name, Robert, um, is a German name that means bright star. But naming people is a very important thing. So just turn to your neighbour and... Um, Chat to them about your name, especially if you know a little story about your name, what it means. Hopefully, I know I had these conversations when I was a kid, like, what does your name mean? So, yeah, for about 20 seconds, just have a quick conversation. Okay, so if you want to come... Come back to the room, come back to the room, brilliant. Hopefully, there's been some really great uh, conversations about names and about naming people and what they mean. It, names are really, really important. They, they bring something, sometimes if, people, if you hear a name, you might think, oh yeah, that's a, that's a great name, this person's going to be great. So what we're going to do, we're going to start with um, the last name on the list that I just gave for Jesus. So the, the name we're going to look at is Prince of Peace. What is happening in the world right now? It seems that everywhere we look, things are falling apart. War, recession, political unrest, bills are going through the roof. It doesn't feel like a very comfortable place to be. It makes you want to hide away, get in your bed, snuggle up under the duvet, pull it over your face and hide from the world. That sounds like comfort. That sounds like a great idea. Sometimes... What we want to do is we want to hide away. But I want to help us to look to Jesus today. Look to the comfort that he can bring. How can we turn to him when things get tough? Why should we turn to him? In life, we might seek out comfort in lots of different ways. It could be through others, in relationships, through material things, belongings or money. It could be in substances or food. There are many ways people seek comfort to fulfill something lacking inside of them. The trouble is, all of these earthly comforts can become excesses or addictions. Comfort through others can lead to bad and destructive choices in relationships. Through this, we are putting onto other people what we can place onto God, replacing him with them. Being comforted through material means can quickly turn into unhealthy hoarding or selfishness, killing that generosity that Jesus wants us to show to one another. Taking comfort in substances or food can lead to addictions or unhealthy associations with those items. Through the work I've done um, in previous jobs, I've seen the destruction and the distorted thinking that alcohol and drugs especially can, uh, can do to people's lives. 
the utterly warped thinking and the, um, the misplaced priorities, placing such importance on the feelings these substances give you, is absolutely heartbreaking. And I think to myself, if only they just knew, if they just knew the love and the comfort that Jesus had, what joy they would find. The comfort and peace that Jesus brings is not dependent on how convincingly I tell myself something. It's everlasting and it's available to us all. Has anyone been to a, a, motiva a motivational speaker? Forgive me while I just quickly tell a story. I was at a convention for work a few days ago, and um, there was a guest motivational speaker there who had such incredible outward confidence, it was almost alarming. Um, she bounced out to the front of, of the, the group, and she gave one of the most terrifying speeches I have ever seen. At first, I was taken aback by the deliverance of the speech. To rile us up, she shouted at us, she spoke with such conviction that we all have it inside of us and that we should never give up. She tried so hard to get this stuffy room to be energised that she resorted to getting us all to stand up and thump our chests, declaring that we are all awesome. Throughout the whole exercise, I couldn't feel more empty. And I could practically see it on her face. She had to rile herself up ready for a fight just to feel some sense of worth. Now, she did have, and she shared with us, a very difficult story and a tough life. And I don't want to remove that from her, I don't want to take that from her, but I could see that she was scared. The way she said to deal with fear was to push it down, deep, deep, deep inside of her. And she had to pack all of these positive affirmations and chant these encouraging mantras on top of the fear. And it's as if she's packing a suitcase that won't quite close. But as soon as that is challenged, as soon as it is exposed as nothing more than empty words, what happens? The suitcase explodes. Everything flies out. There's pants and socks everywhere. There's a huge mess. The love of Jesus is supernatural. When we become followers of Jesus, something extraordinary happens. The Holy Spirit fills us. We don't have to do it on our own. The it that we have inside of us has a name, and his name is Jesus. We can turn to him when we fear things and receive the peace that the Prince of Peace offers us. Jesus is the divine comforter, there from before the beginning until beyond the end. In Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, we read that Jesus can bring peace to our hearts even during the worst situations we have in our lives, calling on his name and inviting him to comfort you. Next, everlasting Father. Here, Jesus is given the characteristic of father in light of how he interacts with his people. Everlasting speaks of the never-ending nature of his care. Father forever. He will not abandon us. He is my father forever. When we speak of fathers, it may conjure up some difficult feelings within you. Maybe you had a bad relationship with your father. Maybe you had an amazing one. Maybe it was just fine. Or you might not even really know who your biological father is at all. Whether your relationship, whatever your relationship with your father is, God is not the same. I have two children of my own, and I'm not the perfect dad. I try my best, but sometimes I'm grumpy, selfish, I get fed up, I want peace and quiet. 
I can be aloof sometimes, not giving them the attention they want and they deserve. Jesus, hear me, Jesus is not like that. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the everlasting Father. We have a Father who will never abandon us, not even when things get tough, or when we mess up, or when we walk away, not even when we shout and scream at him. He will always be with us, helping and guiding us. We are invited simply to turn to his word and to turn to him in prayer. Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus' coming and the victory over sin and death that he would one day win on the cross. Because of what Jesus has done, we are given the right to become children of God, all of us. It isn't, isn't that incredible? I can be a parent to my kids, but they, along with me, get to experience the true Father's love. The invitation is open to each one of us, no matter, no matter what our lives have looked like up until now, and no matter what our experience of fathers may have been. When we choose to say yes to Jesus, we say yes to adoption into his family, the church, and we invite Jesus to comfort us with the Father's everlasting love for us. Now let's look at wonderful counsellor. Pulling apart the word wonderful, this means full of wonder and incomprehensible. We often use the word wonderful to mean pleasant or joyful, but when we use it to refer to Jesus, let's consider his teaching. He showed us that he is the wonderful one in his power to heal, his amazing teaching, his perfect life, and his resurrection from the dead. Jesus taught many wonderful things that are counterintuitive to the human mind. Blessed are those who mourn. Rejoice and be glad in persecution. Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. A counsellor is someone who guides you through some of life's most difficult times. If anyone has received counselling before, you will know that they are there to ask questions and to help us explore and delve into the tough parts of our lives. I studied counselling at university, and part of our training was to be okay in silence, to sit in silence with another person, to sit through the awkwardness, to sit through the tough times, and to ask questions just at the right moment, to listen, not talk, but to give freedom for the other person to just be. Counselors are there to offer wisdom and perspective. They help illuminate the darker spots in our lives. Because Jesus is the light of the world, he brings light to everything. The people of Judah, who Jesus was addressing, were going through many trials, not like, uh, a lot like the modern day. In chapter 8, just before, it says those who look towards the world around them for answers will see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. When we look at ourselves, when we look to ourselves, our earthly leaders and the world around us, it can seem like there is only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. This is where chapter 9 comes in, in describing the coming Messiah, the wonderful counsellor, they can look for answers and guidance instead. Thankfully, we sit on the other side of this prophecy and we can know Jesus. But for the people of the passage, a word from God like this was their hope to hold on to. It's very easy to feel the gloom and the hopelessness that comes with living in this world when we look around us. But we have hope. As Christians, we have hope in Jesus. We have something different to look to. 
A light has dawned with the coming of Christ. We have seen a great light. Love has been made visible through the life of Jesus. He came to seek and save all that was lost, including you and me. What amazing news. John 12 verse 46 says, uh, Jesus says, I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Those who are lost and those who are lost and crowded with fear are found in, by, and through Jesus. Friends, whatever it is that you are going through, there is light. There is nothing, nothing secretive about Christianity or the love that Jesus has for you. It's open and it's honest. Secret societies and nefarious behaviours, they happen in the darkness. But in light, nothing is hidden. It is all out in the open. I've recently started riding my bike again, um, and I, I ride it to work and back. And in the nights, they are getting darker quicker. Um, and I've been more reliant on my bike light, so not to brag or anything, but I do have a 1600 lumen light on the front of my bike. And when it's on, it is like the daylight. You shine it out, people in front of you say, mate, turn that off, I can't see. You know, it's very, very bright, and I can see very far ahead of me. But one night, I was riding along the canal from Selly Oak to Bourneville, and I could see on the top of my light, there's a little dial that tells you how long you've got left on your light. And I could see that I had a few minutes left before the light went out. So I thought, I better speed up. So there I was barreling down the side of the canal when suddenly the light went out and I was plunged into darkness. Now I didn't realize how dark the canal can get until this happened. The difference was stark. I literally couldn't see anything past my front tire and that's what it's like to live in the darkness. We can't see up ahead. We can't even see the next step. Sometimes we just have to hope that our next move doesn't land us in the canal. With Jesus comes the light. He brings hope. It illuminates our path, and we know where we're going. When we invite Jesus into our lives, he dwells in us, the wonderful counsellor who brings hope, the hope of a future in the loving arms of the Father, mighty God. Whilst he is the Prince of Peace, he's also named mighty God. This speaks of his definitive power, and is a culmination of everything that he is. Ultimately, Jesus is the almighty God, born as a human into a weak and vulnerable body of a baby, growing into a man, sacrificed, he then sacrificed himself to reconcile us to him. Mighty feels like a, a powerful word. In fact, it is a powerful word. If you put it in front of other words, it gives them that extra oomph. Think about the word mouse. You have the word mouse, but you put the word mighty in front of it. You have Mighty Mouse, the superhero from way back when. Um, or the Mighty Morphing Power Rangers. Or Mighty Thor. So there's lots of, if you put mighty in front, it brings about something. So with our God, the mightiest thing he did for us was to come into the world as a baby, live a human life, die a criminal's death in humiliation, all by choice for our sin. To bridge the gap between us and him. Only he could do that to forgive our sins. He forgives you for any mistake that you've made. Always and everywhere, Jesus is at work to rescue those trapped in sin and lost in darkness. John 3.17, it says, For God did not send his Son to the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. 
Our mighty God came into the world to save us from the brokenness of sin. Not to congratulate good people. Our unworthiness is the greatest claim we have to the truth of his forgiveness. There is nothing we could do to make him love us less. Nothing we can do to make the gift of his birth, life, death and resurrection worthless. He can and does forgive all who come to him because he paid the bill for us. He, whose mighty hands worked creation into being, gave up his power and glory to win us back. What a comfort that is to our souls. Not that we can go out and do what we like because forgiveness is ours, but when we do mess up and we sin, he is there with open arms waiting as a father saying, come, come to me and rest, it's okay. Sometimes God will reveal and help reveal sins so that we can acknowledge it and receive his healing and forgiveness. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of the everlasting Father, the mighty God, who is our wonderful counsellor and the Prince of Peace. He doesn't bring condemnation, but redemption. Never rejection, but adoption. Our primary identity is that we are now a child of God. If you need to hear this today, if you need to know the forgiveness he brings, I would encourage you to please come and get prayer. Come and meet with him. Use the church to support you. If you ask someone to pray with you, please, please don't be embarrassed. For us, as Christians, it's an honour, it's an absolute honour to stand with a brother or sister in prayer. Uh, 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Jesus has given us one another to share and show this love and coming together to pray for one another is one of the simplest and most beautiful ways that we can be family together. With that in mind, we're going to move into a time of worship now, so if the band could come up. Um, but please, if you need to hear the forgiveness of Jesus, if you need to hear his love, if you need to meet with him, please, I encourage you to engage with worship, engage with this time, grab someone, pray with them, and um, yeah, so let's just be family. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.